Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, and today I am not joined by Caio Lira, Peter Martinez, or David Francisco. I'm so glad that none of those people are here with me today because I have someone infinitely much more interesting to discuss with today. I want everyone, um, is bringing up an old cliche of ours, back in your homes to give a round of applause, not that we'll hear him at all, to Mr. Dominguez Julio. Yes, woo, go me. Hello. Julio morning, Dominguez. Uh, how are you doing, Julio? Uh, much better. Uh, this past Sunday, I ate week old spaghetti. And that was not a good idea because I got sick the whole week, midterms week. Um, so it was, it was quite unpleasant experience. Do not recommend. But I took a nap today and now I feel way better. So yes, sunshines and happy faces. I, I hope everyone listening back home realizes that that entire statement was 100% characteristic of Julio Dominguez's personality <laughs> and intelligence. <laughs> and ultimately, that's why we're here today. Uh, this is going to be an interesting show where we're going to be talking about all about Julio Dominguez. Uh, I'm going to tell you who this person is, who you've never heard of before, because as it turns out, Julio and I, for those who do know, have been friends and associates for at least five years at this point, give or take. And yeah, Red Spotlight has been... Oh, even more than that. that. That's going back even further. But I'm talking about since we began working together, collaborative speaking oh, with yes, videos that, that and, and audio. that stage of life, yes. Right, right, right. And I, I'm going to get into all that. So today, this is Red Spotlight number 155. 155. Julio Dominguez. Woo. 155. And today is going to be all about Julio. And uh, yeah, basically that's what it is. Thank you all for uh, joining us today. So as Julio was talking about... That that was that went back really really back. Uh, one of the things uh, and this is going back years and years to what Julio just mentioned about uh, sophomore year of high school for you, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, it was for me. I, I, okay. I saw you. Um, I saw you in a science class. I think it was chemistry or something. Mr. Kellogg. Oh, I don't like Mr. Kellogg. Um, and then I later saw you. Is in, that where in you karate. first saw me? I, I believe so. It was either there or karate. It was one of those. It's two. interesting. Well, you know what I think. Okay, so Mr. Kellogg was a, a professor at our school, which who was not well liked, and it's very popular to say that he's not well liked, and he's still not well liked. Um, and because he was not a well liked individual, I left uh, effective immediately. I refused Smart to have man. him as a professor. So it doesn't matter. I still failed the class anyway because I don't get <laughs> chemistry. So I mean, it didn't really matter at all. But I ended up leaving that class. I don't remember seeing you in that class. I, I, and that would have been my junior year of high school. It would have been your True. sophomore year. I don't know if, if you had begun, begun, if you, <laughs> if you started karate before then. I don't remember either. And for, and for those, uh, oh yeah, this is also something new. I don't think anybody listening realized this. I, this is not something that I, that I, well, at least not I talk about. Um, the organization that we were part of, Julio and I, um, it's a very secretive organization. They're not very well known for, um, you know, broadcasting what they are and what they do. Um, in terms of, you know, their technique and, and their, uh, stature and all, and all things here and there. But, uh, to give you a sense, yes, I, I was part of an, a martial arts organization, uh, commonly known as Karate Karate. Um, yes, I was a, I was a certified first degree black belt, um, of the organization. Uh, Julio was there for a few years as well. Uh, it was called Shorin Ru, Shorin Khan, 
the, the denomination is Kobayashi, um, and it, it originates from Japan, Okinawa, Japan, which is the capital of, uh, of, uh, the organization which features the president. If I'm not mistaken, it was, um, it was Shigoro Nagazato, and then it was, uh, he was, uh, he passed away and he was replaced by his son. Yeah. Uh, which I believe, Minoru, I think that was his name. I don't remember who. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> Sensei Minoru might have been it, but, uh, that's a that's a deep cut for you guys listening. It's you know this is something that we haven't really practiced in years and years, but it was a big part of our lives. I've never actually discussed it because it's not something that I, you know, felt the need to. Um, but did you I, still it, like it practice it every once in a while? Like, do you ever do like a kata? Every now and then it comes to mind, and I'll tell you. I mean, putting it out there um, every now and then, I I feel the urge to do that again in some in some. So it's like it's not like it's been completely wiped away from me. It did somewhere um, in there. No, I, yeah, for, absolutely. And the same thing with you. And that would be the very first time I think you and I uh, recognized each other as people. <laughs> we didn't really know each other before yeah. then. And I think that was uh, when we got to know each other a tad bit here and there. Remind me again, how, how long were you there? You, there was a while. You know, I, I you think stopped, it was like right? less than, than, like, than a year. Um or like about a year, maybe maybe a little bit more than a year. I, I got up to blue belt. Um, that and and for those who are not aware, that's that's halfway that's, getting yeah, to a black belt. It, it, there's green and then brown left, right? There's two degrees of green and two degrees of brown. Oh, okay. So okay, think so about it like four levels, even more than that. Yeah. So yeah, like about halfway. Um, kind of wish I stuck with it though. I, I left because I I started uh, putting more time in in marching band. I ended up becoming drum major and, uh, yeah, yeah, more responsibility. I was responsible for everybody, making sure everybody had their instruments, their, their music. Fun fact, a lot of high school people forget basic stuff. Like we'll go on a, like a two hour journey to do a parade and, oh, I forgot my saxophone. Like, like how does this happen? But yeah, that was an interesting time. I, I, I'm not even sure if I ever really asked you what the reason was maybe a few years ago. Um, but we have known each other for the better part of five or six years, maybe a little bit more than that at this point, which amazes me how quickly all that time has gone by. But I do remember when I was assigned to work, um, I was assigned, uh, I was working for, working, quote unquote, <laughs> one of my uh, jobs, I keep... Uh, I just thought of it as a job. It was a class. It was a publication class for the uh, high school yearbook. And one of my first things that I was assigned to do was to cover the marching band, to cover the uh, the band at our high school. Um, and there would be several weeks where I would accompany you guys. Julio hmm. probably never noticed me because he I was always not. so busy. This is new information. No, to me. and I know this, right. He, like, I can look at the face right now. He's like, what? You were there? Yeah, I was there because I was there for completely different reasons. But Julio, I remember, and you might not even know what I'm about to say, but I remember um, you and maybe one of the reasons why I didn't even approach you. Maybe we, we glanced at each other. But the thing is, mm -hmm. you were so busy. You were so freaking busy with everything. That was when I was a senior, you were a junior. Yeah. Um, oh, so this would have been oh, the yeah, right year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day I, we'd wake up. I would wake up like at 5.45 because every day we have a zero period or, or jazz band, which would take place from 7 to 8 o'clock. And then 8 o'clock class mm -hmm. starts and the rest of the day just follows through. 
And you know what, what makes that situation even, uh, which by the way, uh, thank you to Mrs. Daly and for the people involved, uh, in the band that allowed me to come with you guys because it was honestly a real treat for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of those things that I would ever imagine myself going to or, you know, tagging along in that sense, but it got me, um, in the mind of what it's like to be part of this band and all the things that you have to be on top of. And there's chaos. Exactly. That's the perfect word to describe it. Mm -hmm. One of the things just to let people know of, uh, Julio has this love affair with the word entropy. So he will be mentioning it several times. It runs the world. Really? The second law of thermodynamics. It rules us all. Fake news. It gives birth to new things and it causes everything to die. It's a cycle of life, Alexis. Be one with the universe. Yes. Entropy. I'm going to ignore that entirely. But it was a real treat to accompany you guys and to see what that whole, um, what that entire life is like, basically. And, uh, one of the things that, that is only just now occurring to me is not only were you there in one capacity, not only was I there in another capacity, but that entire time, so was Peter. Peter Martinez, oh, who yeah, is Pete. a regular <laughs> on our podcast. Yeah, was one of our star saxophone there. players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sexy um, saxophone. At, at that point, I was not acquainted with him. I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. Um, Julio actually is the one that introduced me and Peter um, years and years later. But that was long after high school was over for any of us. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised how well you guys got along. I, I didn't even know Peter was really <laughs> into movies or and media. And how did you not know if you known him? I all have no these idea. Like, we were just now, into different you, things. How long have you known? How long have you known Peter? Since fifth grade. Like we we were very close friends in fifth grade. We sat right, next to each other and caused a lot to of. To clarify, mischief. you guys are the same age. We are the same age. Yes, yes, this is true. And not once. Did it? Did he ever tell you? Oh, I'm so well, excited for this movie. Well, I'm sure, like, like in passing, but like everybody else would say, "Oh, I'm so excited for I don't know, like Avatar or whatever." Um, we just bonded over different things, like 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 games and mm. and Zelda and music and and freshman year we recreational used to make, devices, of course. Yes, <laughs> um, all that and more. Uh, it's interesting because over the years that Peter uh, and I have known each other and, you know, have had conversations, have gone to movies and have, you know, done over hundred, not hundreds, a, a little over a hundred podcasts, um, a little over a hundred videos on YouTube. Um, there are a lot of stories in him, a lot of experiences yeah. that he's had in terms of, you know, his history with movies. So oh. Oh. any, any, well, okay. I was unaware. <laughs> That's the thing. And so he talks about these things at length. And yet it surprises me that he never once said these things to you. Yeah. Like there's just like hidden untapped passion for music, for, for movies that I was unaware of. And then eventually like a few years ago, he uh, started making his own movie cover slips because he felt the ones that, that mm-hmm. were printed, uh, the originals <laughs> are not up to par. So he yeah. took matters in his own hands and he figured out how to Photoshop, figured out how to print it, figured out how to produce them. And where was this when I knew him all these years? Yeah, uh, what Julio is referring to is, uh, you know, it's been discussed um, previously on this show that Peter and I are huge fans of physical media and acquiring as much of it as humanly possible, if not more so. Um, they both have hobby. monster that's our, that's collections our, of movies, like hundreds of passion. movies. Hundreds, literally hundreds. Like the special diamond um, edition, limited edition, <laughs> Topaz, 
Oh, like Cinderella or something. The Target exclusive of Cinderella. Of course. Of course. With, with, with 30, sec- 30 frames of <laughs> hidden footage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, we, we've talked about how big fans we are of physical media. And um, one of the things that Peter has discussed at length, and so have I, is that we will not acquire a physical media copy of a Blu-ray disc or anything else if it does not include a slipcover. Because I don't know why. It's one of those things where we just have to have it. And well, so, are there any movies that don't have slipcovers? You would be surprised. Who oh, oh, like, like, like you like would the, be freaking surprised. N- not the thing that goes inside the plastic, but like, like, uh, like a boxy cover. You mean that's what a slip cover is? So if you have oh, a movie, yeah, right? okay, yeah, and you have the, the the covering, and then you take that off, you slip it off, and you have the actual, you have the actual like box case? and the disc inside. Yeah, yeah, the case exactly. Okay, so yeah, the slip cover is. Usually just one of those things that's accompanied with new releases. But over time, as the supply becomes oh. more and more limited, the slipcovers go away and are phased out. So finding a particular copy of a film with a slipcover, especially if it's been out for quite some time, can be a trying task. Oh, these are collector's collection um, editions. Collector's items. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for the versions that um, he can't find – um, slipcovers. He makes them himself. Oh, um, he's actually, you know, sub, he supplied me with some. Um, the slipcovers that I've had, that I have for Forrest Gump and ja- Jaws and for Aladdin are all slipcovers that he cool. made. So, so he makes like the, the box part, right? Not like the paper. They're very beautiful, by the way. They're very artistic. Like he, he spends a lot of time. Well, I mean, to answer the question, he does both now. Now he does both because he actually made his own versions of the Star Wars trilogy on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, he made it like he he built the boxes um, that has that homemade touch to it. He picks out the art the artwork that he wants and he prints them out and he puts them together. I mean it's it's a um, it's a whole process and it's very time consuming. Um, remind oh, yeah, me. I bet. Um, I have to have him on and ask him about that process because that actually is quite intriguing. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's how passionate Peter is. Yeah. If there was a one slipcover that, that you could go back in time and get that, that, that that's not sold anymore, what, what would it mm. be? I mean, right now, not really anything. I think I have all that I need. Perhaps the Birdman. Mm. You know, maybe that one, the Birdman, uh, the film from 2014 yeah. that starred Michael Keaton. Yeah, I love that movie. Beautiful. Beautiful slipcover. Uh, and I don't have it. There's Silver Landings Playbook with Bradley Cooper and, and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, there's definitely films that I would go back and, you know, get that slipcover if I had the opportunity. But, you know, future releases, things are going to be re released. Like in a few weeks, Marvel Studios is going to re release Captain America, the, the first Avenger, the first. Film oh of that trilogy. Are they going to do the thing that like Disney did, where they have like special editions and they lock them up, and then ten years later they bring a new edition? Disney does that almost exclusively. This mm-hmm. is a re-release because it's on a different format. So it, it's the upgrade okay. from Blu-ray disc to Ultra HD 4K. Yeah. Okay. So they're now everyone's going to be re-releasing their films, but with an increased format in 4K. Mm-hmm. Um. So, which is an interesting topic in and of itself. 
Um, but let's 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 go back a ways here. Um, and in terms of uh, our history with each other, yes. Um, long after you know the karate thing happened, and after high school. Well, these may be high school for me. But um, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know more or less how this story goes. But you know, just to to recap it in a sense, this podcast that you're listening to, Red Spotlight Entertainment, not the first thing that we have done as as a group of friends. Me, uh, meaning myself and Kyle, because Kyle was, of course, the creator of this podcast and the creator of the previous project was what which was known as the Barely News Crew. Um, the Barely News Crew began. Back in June, July of 2013, and huh. it was um, the original group was my both of us with uh, our good friend Nettie, who still is on this show from time to time, Giselle Gallegos, who we're still friendly with, um, and then some other person. Um, <laughs> but it was Tony, right? Tony, yeah. Yeah, it was Antonio because, because there were other people involved because we had There's Gregory and Stephen and Danielle like and Sarah, Kayla, Sarah Garcia and Josh. Oh, so it's like, oh it, my god, Kayla. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Kay- was Kayla even? No, Kayla was never on. Wasn't she? I thought I she was. So. Oh, Stephen Grummet. I remember Stephen Grummet on the first episode. I was basically trying to get everybody on from. See, here's my thing. What we're doing right now. What we're doing right now, you and me, Julio, and what the show is in terms of this podcast is exactly what I was trying to capture back in those early days. Back in those early days and those early talks, I mean, the first practice that we did was on audio. We, again, as I keep saying, were never intending to do video. We were just wanting to begin as a podcast. And because of that, Mm. I wanted to kind of basically transfer the wonderful and lively conversations that our group of friends had in high school and bring it on to the podcast format. Interesting. Interesting. Well, how did the video portion come about? And yeah, cause you weren't even there, right? <laughs> cause I think we were doing video before even you called yeah. us. So, um, the video thing happened more or less as a means to an end. We had done, perhaps two or three practice sessions on audio. And I think we did one show, one entire official debut, which is on SoundCloud. Um, so, yeah. you know, if you want, <laughs> you I remember that. that I remember that. I listened to it personally. Um, yeah. Cause that's the one with Steven Grummet and, and Gregory Heath Jr. Yeah. Um, and Antonio Carate. But, um, it actually, was a complete accident in the sense that we had planned a second recording session, which would, which was supposed to be the second like official podcast of that in the vein of the first. But what had ended up happening is for one reason or another, the person who was supposed to deliver the audio to us and who was supposed to be in charge of that, keep in mind back then, I want people to understand this. <laughs> a lot of us were not in the right frame of mind. A lot of us didn't know what the hell we were doing. We were in high school. Don't know what the hell we're doing. But even more so then, a lot of us were basically just there to hang out. We were there to be with each other and to be friends and have a laugh and do everything. Maybe a few of us took it seriously, but the reality is we were basically so oblivious toward a lot of the things 
that um, are required to actually do with a podcast. So keeping that in mind, when the person who was designated the person to be in charge of audio, <laughs> which means he had the equipment and he would edit it and he would release it, didn't come with the equipment that was needed to do the audio. So hmm. keeping in mind as well that it's kind of a nightmare to schedule five or six people, seven people, I think, to be in the same place with everybody's schedules. And I was the one that had to do that. You're always the person who Keep, does that. Yeah. Well, keeping that in mind, I didn't think it was right to have gone through all of that to get all of these people cleared and in the same room. And for the person that didn't come with the audio, I didn't think it was right to just send everybody home. Cause what, I mean, it just would have made everybody feel bad. And it also made us look bad because, you know, I tried to sell to, the, to these people, Hey, you know, I know you, I would love to be on this show. You know, at that point we were trying to really, you know, strive to be reputable in some sense. But that all kind of came crashing down um, for a, a myriad of reasons. But I didn't want to send anybody home. Mm -hmm. So the best that I could do was, look, I have this camera, the camera that we ended up using for our videos, uh, Julio, <laughs> the purple camera, <laughs> the Nikon yeah. camera. Um, and I'm like, look, the only way I want to do a show today, and I told Kyle, you want to do a show today. The only option we have is that we have somebody to record us on that camera. Yeah. I mean, you improvise and... And um, I don't think that these videos are available still on YouTube, but the <laughs> way that I can describe it to you is an individual who would be designated as a cameraman would take the camera as a handheld camera... And he would go around as we were talking as if this was a mockumentary, The Office style <laughs> version of a podcast, which is also meant to be on video. It was an unmitigated disaster that for whatever reason, so a lot cringy. of us interpreted, a lot of us interpreted as actually being quality. Well, shows what we know, obviously. So there's that. Um, it never occurred to us. Maybe we should have a tripod and maybe we should set it up. But the reality is it wasn't going to accommodate that because we had a round table and we had staged it to be an audio recording. The staging was not uh, uh, set up for video. So we had to basically <laughs> make it up as we go along um, in that sense. And, you know, we felt pretty good after it because I think for, for us, we felt good that we had a show. But obviously when you watch it on video, there are – just a lot of things that you don't think in your mind when you're having a good time and you're talking to somebody. I mean, Peter told us one of the, the, the meeting that you set up with me in the first, um, mm -hmm. the first time that you introduced us together, P uh, Peter said that he <laughs> remembered those videos and in a very kind way. He said, um, I liked that the energy you guys had translated, you know, through and through. Um, and I'm happy that at least came across that we were having a good time recording those things. But I mean, any reasonable person or any person that knows now or knows better can look at those videos and just look and say, definitively, they're just objectively awful. Yeah. Just awful. And 
but yeah, the energy definitely was there. I, I feel like uh, that that bond that you, they wanted to like communicate the the high school conversations you wanted to have. Yeah, they did communicate. It was just we didn't present it as effectively as we could have. But we we learned. We got we got better. We ended up using a tripod. Think of backgrounds. Think a lot more thought <laughs> beforehand. Yeah, it, it evolved. We got better. These are basic things that, for whatever reason, we had a lot of competent people, or so I thought anyway, involved in, the, <laughs> in those early days. But it never occurred to anybody, hey, maybe there's a better way to do this. And so we go now to the point where Julio um, inserted himself into this mess. And it was so strange. What I, I have to say to this day, one of the biggest surprises and one of the strangest calls I've ever had in my life. I'm there in my room which we often use as a studio. You've seen those videos. Um, and I'm there with Kyle. And, you know, we're talking about this, and we're trying to figure out what the hell we're going to do, because at that point, um, Antonio, who had supplied our audio, had left. Nettie, who was, in a lot of ways, an emotional backbone, had left. Um, and so, and a lot of the people that we had booked for our first few shows didn't want to be associated with us. Um, there were dark times. At least, it, at least it felt that way because of how awful it came across. And I guess for the sake of their reputation, they kind of avoided us at the plague. So, <laughs> you know, us sad sacks, we were in that room. We were trying to figure out what the hell are we going to do to turn this around? We have no audio equipment. What are we going to do? And then, and I mean this, out of the blue, I get a call from Julio, who, as I mentioned earlier, we had known each other. Um, on a, on a pretty okay basis, but we hadn't spoken in over a year. Uh, so it was pretty random to say the least that you get a phone call from someone you haven't talked to in a long time. <laughs> and I didn't know what he was calling. I wasn't going to pick up the phone, but I was like, fuck it. I'll, I'll just pick it up. And then it's Julio. And I'm thinking, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And then. And it's so weird because we were just talking about this, this subject matter. And then you talk, well, like, you tell me before, right before you called, we were talking about this show. Wow, that is we were in the tiny. middle of discussing what to do. Uh-huh. And then it's almost like a godsend, really. I talked, you talked to me in, in the, the, you know, cordiality, you're saying how you're doing, I've been okay. And then you kind of get to the point like, so uh, when's your next show or something <laughs> along those lines? And then sooner or later you, you, you come at it and you say, you pretty much express that you're interested in um, helping us out with our audio situation. Yeah, because at the time I was, I was really into music in high school. I, I wanted to graduate high school and, and uh, pursue a life in music. I remember during the summer while we had summer reading assignments, Instead of reading like a studious person, I, I would spend nights up to like 4 a.m. just looking up YouTube videos of how to mix audio and, and, and how to record. And there's a bunch of things I didn't understand, but I wanted to understand. I ended up saving money and, and buying like a very cheap home studio. And I, I just needed experience because I tried recording myself and that was garbage. So I wanted to expand my horizons. And I, I saw Alexis and the Barely News crew. I had a thing going on, and I, I thought I, I could apply it. <laughs> and from from my perspective, I, I like it seemed like you guys knew exactly what was going on. Like you, like it was just a clockwork <laughs> for my eyes. Like oh, they were doing this, 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 and this. Usually, I'm very, very shy on the phone, but for whatever reason, I I felt very comfortable. 
almost like the universe wanted us to be together. So Club Alexis, hey, Mr. Alexis, uh, I, I have this audio stuff and you have a thing going on. Let's take it, combine <laughs> together, and then make some magic. And of course, the first time I had no idea how to place the mics or any of the technicalities. But we did have a drive to get better. And we did. We had an unwavering amount of grit. So we used that to advantage and we slowly got better. Every iteration being slightly better than the last. A lot of failures, but a lot of learning. You know, I'll say, I think, you know, in in a lot of ways, Julio here is being overly generous in terms of, we know, what it is that he walked into. Uh, Although I do appreciate the words. Um, To be, you know, to put it simply, uh, we needed you a lot more than you needed us. Because, I mean, as you just said, the the point of the phone call was because we had a mutual um, benefit to gain from it in the sense that you were beginning this new passion and exploring the world of audio and audio recording and audio editing. Um, side note, Julio's life, uh, Julio, uh, and his life's hopes and dreams change every five minutes or every few <laughs> months. So as you will see, as There's we a lot go of along through this, that, yeah. um, but honestly, I don't think, and I'm sure I've told this to Julio several times, but, you know, honest to God, I can't tell you, I honestly can't tell you what would have happened or what would have become if, um, if, uh, Mr. Dominguez here had not entered the picture. Because. I'm telling you, it's destiny, Alexis. It's determinism. It's <laughs> I think about of all of the things that you and I got to do together. I think about, um, what a joy it was to work together and what a, what a joy it was, you know, to create things together and you know to throw mm-hmm. uh, all these our, our talks juices. about entropy yes 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 of course of course um but i don't think and i, and I am sure kyle would agree with me 100 percent. i don't think we would be here at this moment in time if you hadn't helped us helped us if you hadn't for whatever reason explored audio at that particular moment in your life I don't know how it was that we would have become interested in that. I mean, I have to just say again and again and again, everything that I know in terms of audio recording, in terms of audio editing, and and granted, sometimes the audio that we come out with, it it, it ain't the best. It varies in terms of, you know, venue, of course. Mm -hmm, But over the years, a lot of the editing abilities that I have had with Adobe Premiere, with Audacity, GarageBand, what have you, I owe that owe to you, my all, all, all to you, my friend. I owe it all to you, and I, mean, I, I couldn't have done you. it without like a project to to direct it. This energy towards I had no direction. I just had all this untamed wanting to explore. But but you had the the logistical. You had the plan, and you you organized everything. Every went through everybody's schedule and and, and made made stuff happen, which I yeah. argue is is equally as important. No, I mean, I, uh, uh, well, I agree because, <laughs> because of course, you know, I know how hard it is to do all that stuff. But I mean, I, I am right now in a place, look, I had, I cannot tell you, I actually love editing, believe it or not. I love editing audio. I love editing videos. Uh, and in the, co- in the occupation that I have right now, 
Here at my university, where I have to edit videos and edit news packages and compose them together, I cannot tell you how much easier you have made my life by introducing yes. that. In, in <laughs> almost helped. in so many ways, not just with Barely News Crew, which it was such a joy getting to make those videos and getting to edit them. But you know, editing mm-hmm. is is something that a lot of people don't like to do. Hate it's it. It's fun, but I love it. Yeah, I absolutely me too. adore doing this, and. In terms of the projects, whether it be with what you and I did with BNC in the end, and then obviously with the podcast network that we've set up here, I want you to know directly from my words that none of it would have happened had you chose, had you not chose to help us. Like, honestly, we basically have to, we, we owe it to you. You saved us. You saved our show so many times. And I want people to know that because you've hardly ever been. In a video, you've hardly ever been featured <laughs> in a pod. I, I don't even know if you've ever even spoken in a podcast. Like mm, you, you probably know. were present. I'm a little shy. At some of the- <laughs> no, you're not. You're really not. You just don't care about some of the things we have to, we have to say. But I think you were <laughs> present in some of the early um, versions of the Red Spotlight co- podcast. Oh but- yeah. It just, it, you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring you on is to thank you because all of what we're doing right now is really was saved by you. And you've hardly ever been on a show and you've hardly ever been talked about. Um, yeah. And you've honestly, one of the most important parts of this entire machine that we've kind of put out there. I mean, we all brought something to the table, whether it was my my ability and know-how how to, you know, get people in the same damn place whether it was your desire and your passion to explore audio editing, Kyle's big ideas. Um, he, had, he had huge ideas, huge ideas. And a lot of them actually ended up being what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Peter's yeah. wisecracking, ruthless, <laughs> so absolutely ruthless commentary. Um, <laughs> and of course, we've had other people on the show. But I think right there is, I think, where the magic really happens. We have kind of a perfect storm of all these guys just putting in the room and we have a lot of differences, but we have a lot of similarities. Um, the Barely News Crew as a YouTube channel uh, is, is in many ways like what we're doing with, with Red Spotlight and it was dedicated to movie news and movie reviews. Um, and we had such a fun time doing that. I can't tell you how much I missed that period of time where I had nothing else to do but make those videos. And I'm happy. Good old days. I'm happy. I'm happy for those days. I'm happy that we had a chance to finish it off, put a nice little button on it before I left. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're there. They're there. And um, I'm also grateful for the opportunity because this is where I go back to the audio thing is while the video stuff was immensely rewarding, um, the audio stuff obviously came in handy with what we're doing right now. You know, in those early days of Red Spotlight, um, the first year of Red Spotlight, actually, there would be a podcast every few months or so. Um, that was the first year where we were like, re- that was the year where BNC was really taking off and like, you know, building up its content. Yeah. We had, we had stopped because we couldn't make those videos any longer because Julio and I relocated and it just became impossible. So we just stopped doing that. Yeah. Our life completely um, changed. Yeah. It, things, yeah. And, and they continue to do so every day. But thanks to entropy. But with audio, 
audio still gives us the opportunity, like it's giving us right now, to talk to each other and to have content out there. And, I mean, I really threw myself into Red Spotlight because I had missed so much, you know, um, Barely News Crew. And I'm just so thankful that Kyle has given me the chance given me a lot of opportunities to work here on this podcast and to, you know, collaborate, uh, to suggest things and to, you know, grow things into what, uh, we never imagined it'd be. Um, Mm -hmm. I've kind of, I, I, at the moment I've, I'm the regular host of this show. Kyle, uh, has trusted me so much so that he left me in charge of his podcast and get, uh, uh, hosting his podcast and he is working on fantasy fair. And, you know, I, I, it, it, it really, I love it in so many ways because I really do love hosting. I really do love being in a podcast. And it's one of those things that I can't express to you in words, but it gives me such immense joy being able to have a conversation like this. And one of the things that I wanted to do, um, when I was given more, um, more control over the programming of the show is to shake things up in a bit, shake things up in a bit where we can, you know, push the boundaries of what a show like this can do. And you think about this conversation and it hasn't really been consumed at all by a film. We, and I think, look, January, we've had a lot of great content come out in terms of what's happening in, in the movie world with the news, with Oscars, with reviews. We've had a lot of content out there with different people. Quite the month. Yeah. It's been quite the month for sure, but it's these kind of shows that I really look forward to doing and, and, and doing it with you. And keeping all of that in mind, I have to ask you, Julio, what, what and I'm struggling to even come up with a, with a question that would be appropriate for you in this sense, but what do you think meant most to you about the time? that you chose to dedicate to helping us. Because, you know, and I, I've said to you repeatedly, and a lot of us have told you, we do appreciate you. Sometimes I probably, and that was my own doing, didn't say it enough or didn't show it enough or it depended on you too much. And um, I always remember the people who put me in my place. And there were some times <laughs> where I demanded way too much out of you and you, you know, ever so kindly reminded me, hey, Alexis, you can do it yourself. And I ended up doing, you know, I ended up doing it myself when I could. So uh, well, I appreciate- let, me, let me say this. Like, yes, if, if I don't believe time travel is a thing, I, that's probably never going to be a thing. But if it was a thing, the first place I would go back to would be the times where we would, the, the year we would spend in your bedroom just just planning out videos, recording videos, making sure everything was great, just being involved in the whole process. I, I really I I share the same sentiments to to that process as as you do. Um, they're very memorable to me, and I wish I could revisit them again. I feel for for Giselle because her her interest in being the part of the project was was uh, to to a it was like like a friendship thing, and, and I I do deeply feel that. And we, along we, we we grew with the process. We we helped each other. We supported each other on and off camera. On and off the show. We were like a family, Alexis. We're like a family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, for lack of a better word, that's exactly what this is. And um, everyone, and I mean this, everyone who has joined us along the way, whether it be for a, usually for a short period of time, maybe for a one-off, I I do appreciate those people for taking the time, taking their time and seeing what we were all about. Um, yeah, and every, and every time we go back home, like like the first thing I want to know is, all right, we're all back congregated into into our, our our hometown. Let's make something happen. Can can we make something happen? And that that yeah. that is one of the things I, I look forward to a lot during during like Christmas or summer or whatever. Yeah, it's one of those things like, oh okay, well uh, now I get to see these guys again. What are they up to? What can we do together? Because <laughs> we want to obviously, you know. As you said, congregate and see what happens and see what we can do because we do have a shared history um, with each other and it's always a blast. Um, but I would just say, no, I won't say that. <laughs> I won't say that. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I want to get into a little bit about uh, what you have what, well, what we did basically for those years, because you know, a lot of people, if, if people have are listening and that were around in the BNC days, there was a drop off that happened there, and where we kind of went our ways. And um, I still appeared on the show, but it's been obviously a long while for you, my friend, um, in terms of <laughs> it has when. Been some time. Yeah, the last time I think anybody saw you or heard of you was in the red the the red spotlight. The Barely News Crew video. The um, top five. top favorite movies, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so, so, too. Right now, and think of it more of a, of a, you know, as if you were talking to someone who was not aware. Tell us what you've been doing these years. Uh, you went well, to the University of California in San Diego, in La Jolla, yeah. California. His address is, no, I don't know his address. Different life. <laughs> it's a completely different address. But um, Julio and I actually moved um, to the same place. We went to school. Um, I was there for two years. Julio is still there. So basically, just tell us what, what you've been doing. Well, I mean, the time I was working with the Barely News crew back in our hometown, the Valley, the Imperial Valley, uh, we, Alexis and I were also going, and all of us were going to community college, the single community college there. Uh, and I was working towards getting into computer science. Uh, my plan was to get a computer science, a bachelor's in computer science, and then Pursue music, because if that didn't work out, I had a, a pretty good backup plan. But that didn't end up happening. I got to, to <laughs> I got to San Diego, and I was unable to get into the major. I needed to get A's in four classes. I only got A's in two classes. Can I so stop I you right there? An, uh, can I just yeah. stop you right there? Because I, I need to really, you know, make it a point that people realize what, how extremely difficult it is. To, it is extremely difficult to even get accepted into the program, and I and I, and I mean this in all sincerity. Even though, while I think Julio may be one of the most susceptible people I've met in my whole life, no offense, Julio, but I think you're one of the one of the most brilliant as well in a lot of other areas. Um, you're a quick learner. You pick things up pretty quickly, and you're also passionate and you're intelligent about what it is you're passionate about, which helps <laughs> in an industry. <laughs> but it. You know, it's surprising that even you had a hard time getting into that program. And for, when we were enrolled, when we first got into UC San Diego, what I remember the rule being is you have to have 
A's in all of your classes. You have to have a minimum GPA of 4.0 just to get your foot in the door. Yeah, it's cutthroat. It's so high in demand. And in fact, that that high in demand is spread to pretty much all the STEM majors at UCSD. Everything is impacted now. But are you yeah, serious? Trying, yeah, like almost everything is impacted. Every STEM, every science, biology, chemistry, even the new ones that they're rolling out are, are they're, they're quickly becoming impacted. That is, and if you're not yeah. familiar, impacted means that they're very popular, they're very contentious, and difficult to get into. And they, 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 after after a certain number of students come in, the school will say, "All right, we can't accept any more. Look for another major." So I, w- I was trying to make the prerequisites in computer science, and I didn't I didn't get in. Uh, so I jumped around from major to major. I was. Can I just stop right I there? A, I, 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 yeah, I, go for it. Because I, I think we need to we need to slow down a little bit and like really get this across. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, right last time I checked. It had gotten so bad as far as the computer science field that they were literally just drawing names out of a hat. Yeah, it became a lottery now. The, the minimum GPA dropped down to like a 3.3. And it, it was after after I didn't make it. And mm-hmm. I, after I, I settled on going another path. But it became a lottery. You had two chances to get in the lottery. If you didn't make it either time, then you're out forever. And it, it, it's... The old way was, was extremely difficult. I, I remember... I remember during finals week, uh, I would go to sleep and wake up a few hours later with my heart pounding on my chest. It was, and I just felt I needed to go to the library and study because if I did not get an A in this class, then my whole plan would would, would be gone. And I, I was not used to failure in in that sense. Um, and you know, so what? The, if you, the first quarter, the first quarter, I ended up getting the A's I needed, but it took so much out of me; it, it drained me. And, I was not ready for, for to, to go back again. Well, that's was, one of the things what I wanted to ask you is in that sense. So uh, that that's that's part of the answer to the question I'm about to ask you. But um, you know, a lot of people have to, in your position, certainly have to come face to face with the realization that perhaps what you thought was going to be your plan, what you thought was going to set you for life, basically, is just quickly snapped out of existence. It's gone. Like Infinity War, you know, it just, it, yeah. it, it's into dust and everything. <laughs> and I want to ask you, I want to ask you um, if you're willing to share with us how it made you feel to I, know I that you couldn't do this anymore. A computer science, well, which by the way, and I, I hate to keep stopping you. I really do. And I want mm-hmm. you to listen. Tell us, what is it about computer science that you love so much? And then tell us about having to part ways with that. Well, at the beginning, it was it was a very shallow interest. I, it, it was going to be the way of the future, communicating with computers, having computers do what we want them to do, that that's a very powerful skill to have, especially as our life, our world is, is more connected to computers. Um, but as time went on, I, I really did develop a, a passion for programming and understanding the mathematical side of it. Um, but when I was in, when I was in, in community college, for, for the, before I went to UCSD, I was working towards computer science for years, just spending time on my own, just figuring out how to program by myself on my free time. I would just look up things and try to learn as much as I can to prepare myself for UCSD because I was not going to throw my shot away. 
Um, and I, I did my best. But after that first quarter, I, I even though on paper I, I got the perfect marks, it, inside I, it just took everything out of me. And I, I, I kind of spiraled. Um, and I quickly got familiar with the uh, sense of a failure in that sense where the whole two years, maybe even longer, that I was spent working towards this one goal, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't competent enough to, to achieve that. And I, I think that, that that can be taken in two ways where it's people can either like accept a failure or, or they can incorporate that failure into an, a new model of, of their world and get around it somehow. Like, okay, if I can't do it this way, then maybe I'll, I'll use what I learned and, and get to where I want to be, but in a different angle. And that's kind of what I did. Because I, I still wanted to get into computation because by this time I... I developed a passion for for programming, as as weird as that might sound. Um, and I jumped around from from major to major. Uh, How many times was that again? Uh, let's see. I just went to physics, then to data science, then to, to cognitive science. So, so I guess like three times. Yeah. But and as a transfer student, we only have we're technically only supposed to have two years in the UC system. But nobody I know ever finishes in two years. Except for uh, me. Most people finish up in three. Yeah, <laughs> Alexis, for, but I'm not. Alexis but I'm not in your. I'm not in your uh, your field at all. And mm-hmm. don't don't think for a second that I worked harder than you. I never once worked harder than you did, Julio. I probably never will to an extent. My degree was at an exponentially lower rate of difficulty, shall I say, than what you have to do. There is just no competition, and all the power to you for having pulled through that. But I mean, the reason how I got through it in two years, who knows? <laughs> yeah, One that hour to you. But you like write papers. Like I, I hate writing papers. Yeah, you know what? And I you you just like turn papers. them out like nothing. Like oh yeah, I'm gonna write a five page paper today. Like it's nothing. And that's like ugh, that's like a weak task for me. Yeah. But but anyway, yeah. Um, so shortly after I needed to find a new major. UCSD got a $75 million donation by some guy who worked at Facebook, who was an alumni, to start a data science institute, which data science is kind of still ill-defined right now. It's essentially the new generation of data analytics, uh, but it's been hailed as the sexiest job of the 21st century. And everybody's like, oh, data science this, data science this. So I, I tried exploring that avenue. But unfortunately, I only had one year left at UCSD, and they announced that it would take them three years to roll out all their classes. Man, I don't have that much time. So I was looking for another major. I was in, I was looking into math, uh, maybe chemistry. I was really into chemistry. Uh, and then I, I took a class by taught by Professor Doctor Professor Doctor Bradley Wojtek, and he was he kind of took my idea of what a scientist is and turned it upside down. He made science fun. Like, he made science cool. He graduated from, from UC Berkeley in neuroscience, and he's known for writing a book about zombie brains. He takes tropes from, from uh, like, The Walking Dead and other zombie medias, and he links them up to what neurological disease would have to happen to, to cause this, this phenomenon, the, the, the behavior that these zombies exhibit. So I saw he did that about zombie brain and I was enticed. So I, I went to go talk to him 
I went to his office hours and we had like an hour long conversation about the universe, whether or not it was a simulation. It was awesome. Um, and he recruited me in, into his lab. And that's really where my passion for neuroscience started. Like a little seed just sprouted there. Um, and UCSD is a huge research facility. We were like on top five uh, facilities that get funding from the government for research. Also if anything, from my experiences... Be, by the way, real quickly, also yeah. happens to be the number one uh, public institution in the world. So there's That's that. That's true. There's that. Yep. <laughs> um, if anything, I from my experiences, it seems like UCSD is more of a research facility than a school. Yes. At oh least. yes, you you get that That's, feel almost immediately. I mean, yeah, it's honestly, just research it's this, research this. It's unlike anything you've ever really experienced. Like you, you, you kind of get ingrained into that kind of mentality. But you just even the way it looks like. I have to say, being yeah. on that campus is, I think, a life experience all in and of itself. I loved that campus. I love where I was at and the village and then the yeah, community that so we love that we lived in. It was, I miss it so much. I really do. Yeah. But continue. And fun fact, four Disneyland's will can fit inside UCSD. Yeah. And it, it's expanding. There's everything's under, like, there's so much construction going on right now. It's, always it's a massive campus. The, 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 the single yeah. biggest campus I've ever been on. Yeah. Which is great because I, I like walking. So I mm. walk everywhere. Very meditative. So you settled on uh, on uh, cognitive science is that what you were going yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. So so I haven't heard of cognitive science since, uh, until I got to UCSD. And in fact, UCSD was the first institution to really start it. It's, it was made famous by UCSD. Oh. Yeah. So, so cognitive science is, is the intersection of, of neuroscience, computer science, psychology, anthropology, and, and philosophy. And it's great because... I, I'm interested in a bunch of things. That major involves a bunch of things. It was it was a perfect match. Um, and specifically, I was able to choose a specialization where I could bring my computation knowledge. My, my technical major is uh, cognitive science with specialization in machine learning and neural computation. So I, I was, I'm going to learn the neuroscience and bring my computation side with it. Um, and eventually what I want to do with that is I want to, I want to research brain-computer interfaces. I want to be able to connect brains or computers to a brain. Because once, once we can acquire signal from the brain, we can control things almost like by, by thought. Like, like Alexis, imagine, imagine going into your favorite Chipotle and then just putting on a, a helmet <laughs> and think, you know what, I want this kind of burrito. And then the internals of, of the Chipotle restaurant will, will make it such to, like, to give you what you want. Or, or imagine like, oh, let me set an alarm for like seven o'clock just by thinking about it or like communicating with someone just by like, this is real telepathy. Mm. And, and this is the kind of things I want to want to get into. And they also have apl- clinical applications like um, like imagine somebody has uh, traumatic brain damage and, and they lose all motor control. They, they can't move. They can't speak with their loved ones. But by analyzing their brain waves, we can see that they still understand things. So we can we can talk to them, analyze their brain waves, and have that and have a line of communication restored that way. So I think that's going to be really cool. I'm going to make a cyborgs. So that's why I'm doing that. Um, right, right. And we have. Uh, I I always tell uh, 
Julio, when we, you know, have conversations like that, I always tell him, God damn you, because you're going to be the end of mankind, uh, with these freaking cyborgs <laughs> and robots taking over the world. And I'm like, all I tell him is that do what makes you happy, but be careful. <laughs> be very, very careful, please, for the rest of us and our sake about robots. I, 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 I just get very, <laughs> very, very nervous um, about all the, the prospect of it, but obviously excited for what you know artificial intelligence has to offer society in the future. Of course, as I do tell Julio, I'm much more interested in what we can do to save the planet from itself and its people um, before the ocean decides to swallow us whole. Yeah, um, that's pretty important. PSA there. That's, that's, that's kind a now, of important. That's a now problem. <laughs> that, that, that's a very much of a now problem. Uh, but then here we are where, you know, we're right now where, where I'm at anyway. We're in the polar vortex. Oh, how is it over? Isn't it like freezing? How cold is it? It's a, it's kind of like 10 degrees outside right now. Yikes. Um, but it's not, it's not near, nearly as bad as Chicago. I think it's oh, in like the negative 20s yeah. right now or something. It's, it, it's, it's awful. It's awful, but um, again, people confuse weather for climate, and every time, I mean, it's one thing that the president said, how can there be global warming if it's so cold out? It's, an, well, it's, the, it's this president. It's this president, so we know that's what, why he said it, but the thing is, though, it's sadder because I feel a lot of people have that misconception. I think a lot of people are one, because NBC in particular, I'm seeing, has been publishing a lot of articles that are basically saying... I think people are having this question right now. How can it, how can <laughs> there be global warming if it's freezing outside? And then I just think to myself, like, yeah, okay. Do I, oh my God. What yeah, is going we, it, on? it has induced an imbalance of things. Cause normally that vortex stays, I believe, like in one of like the polar caps. And because it's, I mean, there were headlines that were saying that it, it is colder in the, you know, the, the mid east of the, of, of the, of the U.S. than it is in Antarctica. Are you serious? I'm that fucking is serious. Insane. Yikes. Yikes. That's scary. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And there was even a study that came out um, this week, uh, not to dive too much into politics. I'll get off that in a minute. But there was a, there was a study that came out this week that showed red states, states that lean Republican, mm-hmm. that usually elect Republicans statewide, are going to be the states that are most impacted oh, or yeah, I are saw most that. affected. Yeah. By by climate change. I wonder how how they'll change their their opinion on that. It won't, but it'll be a nice Mm. uh, cake, (laughs) a little uh, pie of poetic justice, if you ask me. Anyway, um, (laughs) I I, um, back to the the matter at hand. Yes, Doctor Wojtek. So you being at your current position, your researcher now, you're you're an assistant, right? Yeah. Uh, you're hired at a research lab to do cognitive science. Yes. And I have to say, before I even you know, throw it back to you, the conversations that you and I have had about this leave me to believe that you are very, very much happy with where you are right now, and especially happy with the opportunities that have presented themselves for being involved in this particular uh, venture. Yeah, absolutely. You told me you had the opportunity to go to two conferences. Oh, yeah. It was it was great. Um, so th- we, fortunately, this year, the Society for Neuroscience, which is a huge neuroscience collective, they had their conference yes. in, in downtown San Diego, like 20 minutes away. Mm. Did they? Yeah. And oh, okay. Professor Dr. Wojtek, um, he, he's all about giving 
people opportun- students opportunities. So, so he he paid for all of our our fees, all of our our food and like parking, whatever. Um, and that's actually the conference where I got really interested in brain computer interfaces because there was a professor from Washington talking about he created a device where uh, the device can analyze can accept uh, neural information and also induce neural information. It's like a bi-directional device. So let's say somebody has brain damage and th- their normal neural connection just got severed. Well, we can, we can induce this circuit and now there's another pathway for, for that signal to get to wherever it needs to get. So I thought, man, that's, that's pretty cool. And then there was another conference <laughs> in Indianapolis, which was pretty expensive. But again, Dr. Wojtek just, just covered me. He, he paid the whole thing, though, like the flight, the, the Ubers. That's incredible. Everything. And he just Venmoed me, and I, I got reimbursed, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Venmo him back. Um, yeah, if anything, Dr. Wojtek has had, Dr. Wojtek has had the biggest impact on me in my journey as a scientist. He invited me mm-hmm. to his lab meetings, and I went to his weekly lab meetings for an entire year, not knowing anything of what they were talking about. It almost seemed like like the Avengers were congregating, and they had all this information <laughs> that that wasn't available to anyone else, and I, I had no idea what was going on. And it was it was hard to balance like school and work, and going to, like the lab. But this past summer, um, he offhandedly he's like, "Oh, are there any undergrads who want to do some research?" And I was like, "I want to do some research." So I, he ended up uh, paying for my research. He he got a National Science Foundation grant. And it funded me for the summer to start a project with with a grad student, and, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's Julio. wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah, he, he he's very one of my favorite people. Yeah, definitely top like yeah. max tier. Um, and the, the grad student I was working with, he would he would sit down with me and take time to explain everything, and I would go home work on things and come back and we're we have a great system going on and i'm about to present way, my research in san francisco in march at a convention oh my god are you serious yeah, yeah. i mean it's not i'm not gonna be like on stage wow. i'm gonna have like a poster which is like right but i mean i remember when, when i signed up for the first conference society of neuroscience um i i told myself I, by next year i want to i want to have i want to present and now it's a year later and now i'm presenting so I'm, I'm really happy about that you know what? I'm so happy for you. Congratulations Thanks. on that. That congratulations so much because that shows you how far you have come in just one year. Yeah, like in just one year. It's insane. Ever since coming to San Diego, I, I've been amazed on how much people can grow in, in just a single year. You've gone through radical changes. Obviously, you just spoke to how many times you had to change majors. Yeah. But <laughs> somewhere along the way, you found your way. Uh, and so and never give again, up. Never give up, but also don't misunderstand when your plans don't work out the way you think they should. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best things that have happened to us have been things that were complete flukes or accidents. Absolutely. Again, and hearing you talk about your past year, you know, makes me think about my last year. Um, you obviously are, are, are still in San Diego. You're going to UCSD as you are. I graduated last year and out of nowhere I was accepted to go to American University. I've talked about this, but I've, I've gotten to American University here in Washington, DC to pursue broadcast journalism, something that I have no experience in prior to and something that I wanted to try because 
that for the first time in a long time really just piqued my interest. Flying across the country, <laughs> moving across the country, and being here. How was it? Was there like a culture experience. shock? Going to the East Coast? Yeah, yeah. There's so many. Because there was one Some from the probably, Valley to, to UCSD, and that was pretty big for me. Mm-hmm. But how, how did that no, compare well, to the is, one? This is different. Was it more of a culture shock than the previous? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things you'll find um, pretty quickly uh, is, you know, as Peter kindly recalls to my new home as the swamp, <laughs> uh, the swamp. <laughs> The swamp here is pretty engaged politically, even though we know we have no representation really. Um, you know, Washington DC is a very political town. A lot of the stuff that makes national news with Donald Trump and the Congress and all that stuff happens here. And, you know, there is also, you know, kind of, you know, uh, home base for a lot of reporters. Mm-hmm. Where I am right now at American University and, and having the experiences, you know, I've, I never really intended to be a reporter, but and now I have a newfound appreciation for the job that these people have to do. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. I mean, mm-hmm. my idea was I wanted to – I all I know is that I've always wanted to be on TV. I've always wanted to have my own show. And how does one get there? Well, there it turns out there's a long laundry list of things to get there. And when you're here, you are just – you know, your eyes open and you think and, and you realize – there are many times where you will doubt yourself and you will think, how the hell am I going to get out of this? I can't tell you that I can't, like, I think that the, um, in the grad program of which I am part of here for, you know, journalism and the broadcast track in terms of the first three weeks, which are known as boot camp and, you know, the first mm-hmm. semester <clears throat> are without question the absolute hardest experience, the hardest things I've had. Oh, interesting. Through. It has, exponentially difficult and then also intimidating to where you just don't think you're going to get through this. But Mm -hmm. what is so, I would say, vital about this entire ordeal is you experience this with your fellow grad students and so much so, like we became kind of a surrogate family working on Barry Yeah, you guys come together. Working on Red Spotlight. You form these relationships with these people that you see on a daily basis, who you go and report with, who you go on assignment with, and you come back and you edit video and you produce and you organize. And so much of this job, I think, really appeals to me and so much of what I've been able to do. I mean, I would love to be a television producer. I would love to be a radio <laughs> producer. Hell, I'd love to write and report on these things. That's just so much fun. Last year, my, my favorite class was audio production, in which we had a newscast. It was a once-a-week class from 8 to mm-hmm. 2 o'clock, and we'd Damn. run through all the stories of the day, and we'd get like a 5-minute, 7-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute newscast, audio newscast. I'm not sure if I ever shared those with you. I have some that I can send to you so you can listen yeah, to them. Yeah, for sure. But they were um, – it was an experience that I've looked forward to having my entire life in a professional setting like that. And I cannot tell you how rewarding it was to once you're finished with it and looking back at all the things that you were able to do. And it's really ha- – I think I feel like I've grown a lot in the in the last year to where a lot of the things seem very – challenging at first and they are going to be challenging 
but you get this idea in your head that you can't do it. And I've talked about it on this show some a lot of the times that I have issues with uh with self-esteem and with self-doubt, even though I don't show mm-hmm. it sometimes. But you know, I can get that way. But it, re- it reminded me of what I can do. And in this particular semester that I am right now, which is scheduled to be my final semester for my program oh, before I, right? I mean, that's we could exciting. be as it as it turns out to be coming in May or August, depending on what you see it. But the, the ceremony mm-hmm. is in May. I will have a master's degree. That's uh, master Alexis. I'm uh, calling you master Alexis. Uh, oh, thank you. Hey, I kind of like that. <laughs> They're gonna regret it. Um, <laughs> that's going to be uh, that's going to be something that at age twenty three. To achieve that is something I didn't even quite think would the accomplishment. Happen. I didn't yeah. think would happen at all. Um, and it's just, I, I think for me, it's going to be a moment of pride um, and then also of humility, you know, putting in so many years of work, of work it put into it. Right now in this semester, I'm doing TV production. This past Tuesday, we did our first practice where we had, you know, we, we we had our designated roles. We had our producers that, you know, had the stories and assigned them to the reporters. The reporters went out that day, got B-roll and footage for packages that they themselves narrated and edited together for a newscast that mm-hmm. would be on that day, 3 o'clock. Or I think we actually went earlier at 2.30 that day. Um, and we had anchors who wrote the stories and they read off the teleprompter. We had a TV set and the cameras were on there. I was the field reporter, so I was uh, basically <laughs> the person who was helping out whoever needed helping out. Um, and I mean, we're all going to get a chance to anchor and be producers and have the different kind of roles, but it's something I've always, always wanted to do. And I'm getting to have these experiences now. And then you get to see how things are done um, mm-hmm. in the business and your the the relationship that you've had with your professor reminds me of of um even though perhaps I'm not as close but I definitely think of Jill Olmsted uh professor mm-hmm. Jill Olmsted who taught the digital audio class she probably will never listen to this but um I cannot <laughs> tell her enough or thank her enough really for uh her class and her instruction she is somebody who pays such a, a, a meticulous level of detail that you never, there, there's just no match for her. And she can mm-hmm. whip things up just like that. And she can correct <laughs> and proofread in, in, in no time. And cause she's been in the business and then she knows how this works and she will go over with you and she will rehearse you to get, cause when you're in that audio booth and you have those stories, you have scripts in front of you and you have to say them a certain way and if you don't you got to get it right or we'll start all over again if it says president trump decided today at the white house that you have to have the cadence for it that's even a word you have Mm. to have the right tone you have to emphasize and you have to articulate certain kind of words in that sense yeah uh so you say president trump or say roger stone associated president trump's whatever the headline or the story would be um you you have to get into that in that in that frame of mind, and I think those yeah, are the I, I imagine that it has I to be like for. second nature eventually. Yeah, and it has to become it intuition. Has. Like yeah. you're just reading it, and it just comes natural. It's like that type of a coupling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
So have you, have you like, have you seen any like, like, like political celebrities working around DC? Like, have you seen our boy Mueller? <laughs> no, Robert Mueller is very, very, um, elusive, Busy. shall we say. He's oh, very elusive. Okay. You don't really see him, but yeah, I, I've seen a couple of characters. I've, I've, I've been, uh, at a, at a rally where Roger Stone spoke at. Oh, oh. Yeah. Now indicted Roger Stone. Um, one of my colleagues, Kip Dooley and Jerice Boston actually were able to conduct an off the cuff interview with him as he was entering the rally. So, oh, um, it, cool. it was a surreal experience. Um, yeah, sounds like it. You, you see, uh, you come in contact with David Chanlian from CNN. A lot of people from a lot of these networks that work, uh, have come and spoke with us. Uh, I've, we've talked with the president of NPR, I think. Uh, who is mm-hmm. often on television. We've toured their studios. Um, recent, what was it recent? Uh, professor Jane Hall, I think, uh, who is actually one of my, one of my professors right now in a politics and media class has been, um, a pundit and a, and a, someone who's given commentary on various different networks over the years. And she's a wonderful, wonderful personality that goodness me, does she really, really jump and talk and it, not a moment goes by when you're like, Oh my God, calm down a bit. But no, no, don't calm down. She's, <laughs> she's wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful. And I love her for that. Um, and she encourages a lot of great political talk. We, we just sit down and talk about politics, politics in the media, which of course, you know, I uh, forever. love, love and yes. adore that. And, and, you know, it, it also, it reinf- I'm not going to say it reinforces, but it also makes me feel good that, it turns out that I do have a good eye for commentary because she's really loved the commentary that I've provided in terms of analyzing the media and politics. Um, it's good. It's good. So, what's your favorite like sub role in that whole system? Because because you mentioned that that you've partaken in quite a number of them. Right now, producing. Right now. Interesting. Producing, I mean, does it change? I mean, the, the the roles change. We have to we, mm-hmm. we move at a breakneck pace sometimes, and the roles change from writing to reporting to you know recording. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just so many different roles. But one of the things that I really loved was producing, and it comes from my innate ability to to organize things so quickly. We get the stories, mm-hmm. we get the people, we sent them out, and I'm just going around and around and around and around helping people with what they need. I think my role, the role that I feel most comfortable in is being a helper, being an organizer, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, being in charge. Like, like yeah. Like, but, like that, but also, but I think, and honestly, one of the things that I found very, um, one of the things that I pre I appreciate hearing feedback from people. And, you know, just this week I was in class and I was helping two of my friends who were tasked that day with anchoring and they were so nervous. One of them was so nervous. Um, and I was just, you know, trying to like, okay, look, but this is the reality. You're going to be fine. And he, he was like, you know, you're, you're just great at, at walking people through this, at, at telling them what to do. And you're, you're just so calm. You you always mm. know how to make people just feel comfortable. And I appreciate those comments because it tells me that through my personality, some way, somehow, 
the way that I am able to manage situations like that, it tells me that I'm doing something right. Yeah. And, yeah. And it says you're comfortable I, in your skin. Yeah, that's kind of been my life for the past year. And that's kind of been yours. And I guess if there yeah. was a way to kind of draw this into a close, I want to bear with me, Julio, and I want to, I want to, you know, use the right words to describe what this was like and what this felt like. But remember a few years ago, you know, we had both found out we were going to go to UCSD or we were thinking about mm-hmm. going to UCSD. We had been accepted anyway. I, I was set. That was my number one. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you were set. The only school that accepted me. You were set, and I, I, I got rejected from everywhere except except UCSD. <laughs> it's like Destiny, but, Alexis. I'm but telling you. you. See, it worked out. But yeah, absolutely. Think back. Think back to that day where we were invited to a reception, a reception oh. that was put on by the chancellor. <laughs> A reception that was held on the 15th floor of the building you would eventually call home. Remember that day that we drove, or you drove me, but we went together from our valley, which is two hours away. We went to San Diego. We were able to participate in that reception. Remember getting out of the car? I remember it just like yesterday. It was like the sun was setting. We parked at Pangea. We got out of there. And we just stumbled upon something. We were on the university, but we didn't know what the hell we were looking at, what these buildings were. It was a whole new world. Where to go. Someone told us to go left, I think, or right, whichever direction it was. We keep walking and we keep stumbling upon different pockets of worlds, like what you said. And then we get to the building and to our shock, it's a massive, tall building that goes 15 stories high. <laughs> and our destination, it's the biggest one. our destination was to go to the tip top of that building. So we got into the building, which is usually closed off only for events. It's, it's open. Yeah, that, yeah. It, it's it's a I, I nice. I tried going floor. in when I lived there. You what? Yeah. I tried going there uh, to the floor whenever I lived in that building, mm-hmm. but you need like special access code. Yeah, they oh. should make that more available. That's just my personal opinion. I know it has such a, the most beautiful view in all of campus. Yes, and I, I'm firm on that yes, opinion. Yes, absolutely. There, there is no better. Which view. is why, which is why they decided to use that to show off and to make us, you know, commit to being there. So we get into the building, mm-hmm. we go up into the 15th floor, and it being in San Diego, the campus being on the La Jolla coast. The first thing that catches your eye, aside from how nice the building is and how nice especially that floor is, the first thing Mm -hmm. that catches your eye is an ocean view like no other. An ocean view like no other. Yeah. And it's one of those pinch me moments like, what am I doing here? Like, how did I get (laughs) here? I don't belong here. (laughs) I mean, obviously the, the... the intention behind that event. And uh, it's, again, like I said, one of those moments where it's just like, what are we doing here? And I remember just like after the event was finished and we or even before, we were just outside absorbing that ocean breeze, looking out. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so happy, so happy that I came, so happy that I was with you and we were experiencing this. 
And I want you to think with me right now, you know, just think in your mind how exciting, how happy you were at that time. And look how far we've come in such a short amount. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, I mean, it's what, what was it? Maybe three years ago? It feels longer than three years ago. Nah. <laughs> it feels like seven years, <laughs> in my opinion. There's been so many things that have happened. Time is a weird thing. No, it, it's a strange thing. But yeah, I, I do remember that moment you're talking about. It, it almost, it, for me, it almost felt like there was a whole movie set that crafted that environment, yeah. that view. Yeah. Like the sleekness of, of the whole outside area. And the bathrooms are very nice too. <laughs> of course, the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. So with that, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. Julio, I had such a great time. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I'd love to have you back on Likewise. for any other kind of show. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to hear more from you. You have a really unique experience that you've lived through. And it's been such a joy to catch up with you this past year. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you continue to do to support this podcast, support us. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. Thank you for all of you who have listened. I want to remind you guys that you can listen to our podcast every single Sunday and Thursday, two days a week, Sunday and Thursday on iTunes, you know, Apple podcasts, uh, podcasts.com, Google play, and Mixcloud, and of course, our content on YouTube.com with Red Spotlight. You can catch the Fantasy Fair podcast with Kyle and Alexis Moreno every week. Right now, they're on a little bit of a hiatus, but they'll be back pretty soon with more Disney uh, enchanted content. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. Uh, and until next time, bye bye. <laughs>